Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode number seven. I don't know. I'm Luke Navarro. And I'm Mike Perna. I should look these things up before I start talking, Mike. Oh, come on. It's more fun this way. You know, Mike, I, uh, I actually, we checked for Guys Can Read. We've done 109 episodes. You've been doing this a while, dude. Guys can read. Is that insane or what? I can't wait till we get to 109 episodes of Game Store Profits. That's going to be fun. It will be fun. So, Mike, what have you been doing in your geeky world? Uh, my geeky world has been here and there kind of spotty, but I will say that I've been enjoying a lot of interesting games. Uh, I, I, I have this on-again, off-again romance with a game called League of Legends. Oh, yes. And it's a wonderful, wonderful little game. And the the the, the greatest play, right? thing I love it, it is free to play. Not only is that a good thing, a good reason that I love the game, but also because it just the the amount of variance that you can have. Because there's not just like three or four people to pick from. There's like a hundred different champions that you can play, and it's it's so interesting. And depending on who picks what and everything like that. It it's it's a completely different game because I, I I find new people that I enjoy and new strategies that I like to play every time I play it. Uh, I just started playing uh, this monkey dude named Wu Kong, and he's a lot of fun. Awesome. Find I find myself going backwards and playing some of the older games that I've had for a while that I've 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 pretty much finished. But it's you know for me my game buying and game playing is focused around games that I can play a lot. And by that I mean you can beat the game, and then you can start it up again and play it, and and it becomes a completely different game. Not too many games have that kind of replay value anymore. No, and and the ones that have, the franchisers are saying, forget this, no one's buying this. Um, But one one game franchise that I have loved ever since, it it used to be a turn-based, point-and-click bit of awesomeness, is Fallout. Uh, I've played Fallout since it first came out on PC, and now that the the newer renditions of Fallout have come out, at first I was going to be a little leery, because I've always loved this franchise, but I have to say that the new games, I've really, really enjoyed them. I have nothing but good things to say about them, and I've been playing Fallout New Vegas for the second time through. I have played as my glorious savior of the wasteland and now i'm going to play a reaver of souls all right so 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 let me ask you this now i am a elder scrolls freak yes okay so i love the whole mechanic right i picked up fallout uh what is it fallout 3 is that the the most that that would be the recent one that new vegas was kind of based off of Yes, Fallout New Vegas is the newest, newest one, and then Fallout 3 was the one before that. I played Fallout 3 for probably 10, 15 hours, and I was so frustrated. (laughs) It can get that way. I mean, just like, like, tear your hair out kind of frustration. Um, I think that in part of it, it was because, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me like the Fallout game doesn't have the same level of scaling that the Elder Scroll games do. The Elder Scroll games scale based on your level. You can, you can experience almost any part of the game without accidentally running into somebody who just kills you automatically. No, no, no. I, I will tell you that in Fallout, if you go into the wrong place at the wrong time, they will eat your face. Dude, yeah! Yeah! 
And so okay, so I I, and, I actually love that about the game. You know, but here's the thing: Fallout taught me a lesson, something that I had sort of forgotten over the years, and that is the power of saving a lot. Oh yeah, because nowadays, you know, I mean, everything has it's just it's uh you know save point after save point after save point. And Fallout kind of had that old school vibe, like you know what, you got to be responsible for your own save game. Well, and I, I love the fact that because it's it's it goes off of that. I guess we call it a morality based system, in that you have a lot of opportunities to make decisions, and depending on how that what decision you make, it advances the plot down a certain path. Now, if you're saving all the time, this is fine because if you pick the one that you don't want, or it gives you the kind of result that oh, you no. don't See, like, no, I would never do that. See, I don't either. I would never go back and change my decision. I would save so that if I got killed, I could do it again. Right. But I would never go back and change my decision. There have been times when... And, and one thing that I like about the newer games is is that even Fallout 3, the, the decisions were pretty straightforward. There were a couple that were a little blurry, but it was always very obvious. Here's your very good guy answer, here's your very bad guy answer, and here's your answer for the guys who want to be non-committal. That, that was pretty much how they worked it. In Fallout 3, it is a lot, or if, I mean, Fallout New Vegas, it's a lot blurrier. Because the people that you're talking to are a lot just, they're more real in the sense that they want to accomplish something, and it's up to you to figure out if what they want to accomplish is a good thing to mm. accomplish or a bad thing to accomplish. And each side will definitely sell you on it. And plus, every once in a while, there's this third or fourth option that comes along that really just screws up the whole thing. And you're left going, I, I, I don't know. I love, <laughs> so that, I love that game. So, you know, we start off, the first game I remember having a really strong sort of ethical decisions that you had to make. I think, you know, Elder Scrolls has been doing it for a long time, but uh, was KOTOR. And... Mm. That was so obvious, like, are you going to be Sith or you're not going to be? I mean, it was right. really very obvious. But now, uh, there are some games that I've been playing recently that you just, I, I, I have no idea whether this is the good thing to do or not. Yeah, and, and I think that, that, that really appeals to me. That sort yeah, of game too. is something that, that gets at me. Games that I can I can play once through making certain decisions and then come through again. And make different decisions. Not all the different decisions, but some of them. Like, if I want this guy to... Like, I really like this little companion that comes along with me. So in order to get him, I have to make this decision. But that decision might also... And it, it piles up on each other. And it really makes for a completely different gameplay. And it forces you to make different decisions. And sometimes it's easy... Sometimes those decisions make things harder. Sometimes it makes them easier, like the ability to just walk into a town and steal everything you need as opposed to trying to find the money to buy it. Can we say a second playthrough of Morrowind? <laughs> oh, when I played Fallout 3 and I beat it for the first time, like I said, my, my train of thought usually when I play a game like this, the first time I play through, I am the greatest hero ever known. The second time through, depends. Sometimes I go complete and total, I don't care about you, I want you dead. Sometimes, like, this time I'm playing Fallout New Vegas, and I decided, uh, because the, the general storyline doesn't change, I decided that every time I play Fallout, I come up with a persona. And that persona defines how my guy goes through this storyline. So, my first guy I went through, and he was, I decided that he was going to be a mechanic slash, you know, like, computer engineer. And 
I decided that he was going to be the kind of guy who would run like the gas station that fixed your your vehicles and you know fixed your robot if you needed it. You know that guy. And so he's a really good guy, really loves people, and just good, wholesome kind of guy. The guy I'm playing right now, and I named him Leon based on the guy from the movie The Professional. Uh, Leon is pretty much a professional hitman. He is cold, and he is pretty much in it for the cash. Or if he doesn't like you, you may end up dead. And so that's that's how I have him making decisions. It's it's He's in it for the cash. And it, it really, when you have that kind of persona, that perspective, that overarching story behind your guy, it's really interesting to see how his decision-making would be affected. And that's why I love the game. So what about you, Luke? What have you been up to lately? Well, I've been, uh, I've been obsessing over barbecue. In fact, I have, uh, about 10 pounds of pork in the uh, smoker right now. It is mm. 8.30 at night on a Saturday. And it'll be cooking overnight, and uh, I will be waking up every few hours to make sure that uh, it's doing well and nothing is on fire. And uh, so, yeah, I've been doing that, and also been playing old video games. Been playing through uh, Bioshock. Nice. Which is a game... The first that, one? Yeah, the first one. It, you know, it's one of those things. It, it's it been in my queue forever. <laughs> uh, by queue, I mean Gamefly queue. And... The thing is, is that it just was always kind of there, and there were other games that came along that kind of got pushed up ahead of it in the queue, and until right now, it never found its way to the top. Part of that is because every single thing in my queue right now is not released. Uh, It will be in the next coming weeks, but I really, really like Bioshock. Uh, I'm having a great time with it. I think the world is pretty cool. Uh, I think the play mechanics are amazing. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, it's great. It's an older game, but it's still a lot of fun. I, I have to say that Bioshock for me was one of the greatest first person shooters I think I've ever played. Uh, I haven't played the second one, uh, mostly because I've heard a lot of very mixed reviews about the second one and it doesn't really have that same kind of power that the first one had, mostly because in the first one, you're playing a guy who gets pretty... I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but he finds himself in this underwater city called Rapture, which was set set aside to be, like, the the best of the best, the brightest and the most artistic, and, like, the sheer genius of the world was sent to Rapture to pretty much escape the 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 laws and the morality of the world, to do to push themselves beyond what the world would let them do. And it is really interesting. And they have these giant hulking beasts that kind of walk around and keep the peace called Big Daddies. Yeah, pain in the butt is what they're called. <laughs> and and in two, you know, the Big Daddies, you know, you are a Big right. Daddy. And I, I, I think that a lot of the story, I, I, I granted, I'm, I'm completely speaking out of ignorance here, and I'll allow for that. Uh, if somebody comes back and says that Bioshock 2 was amazingly fun and they're super excited about it, hit our Facebook page or hit our website or something. I'd love to hear people say good things about Bioshock 2 because there aren't a lot out there. But I am, I will say that it looks to me, based on the reviews and based on the, the footage that I've seen, that they come, they're coming back with a prequel called Bioshock Infinite. Right. And Luke, you know me, I am steampunk as the day is long. 
And Bioshock Infinite looks like a game that I could waste large quantities of time on. Yeah, it, it also has some pretty cool uh, mechanics and, and just... It, it seems to me like it's going to get a little bit more mystical, I suppose. A, a little bit more? A woman literally rips open gates between worlds. Well, okay. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but, you know, I think Bioshock Infinite actually makes a good transition for us into the content section of today's show. We are going to just do what we've been doing for the last ten minutes and talk video games. But specifically, we're going to talk video games that are coming soon. It is coming on the pre-holiday season. Which is always the greatest time of the year for video games. That it is. But Mike, let's start off with a game we've talked about on this show that I is doing something that I think is the strangest video game company decision I have seen in quite a while. Okay, if you're going where I think you're going, I know what you're going to say, but it, you Star know, Wars, indulge me. Yes. The Old Republic is releasing... Five days before Christmas. Before Christmas. What is up with that? Yeah, I don't know what that decision Here's was. the only thing that makes any sense to me. That is, that people who didn't pre-order have no chance of playing before Christmas. Oh, yeah. So, I, I think that that's the only thing that could make any sense. But it's super annoying, because now I don't even get to buy it on day one. Now I'm going to have to buy it a couple of days later, probably. I'll get it a couple of days later. Either that or you're going to have to fight through Christmas last-minute shopping days. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, the, there is a rule, you know, sort of in our family that you do not buy yourself, buy anything for yourself during the month of December, period. You know, if you need new underwear, you just wait till the end of the month. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why they did that. Now, I, I deeply regret not having pre-ordered it. Uh, you can still do it. I know, but... I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe Mine's in. We'll see. We'll see. And part of the reason we bring this up is, in case you haven't heard previous podcasts, and, and I, I'm really excited about the potential of this. I've already got a couple guys who told me that they're signing up. Uh, I'm trying to convince them that not only should they sign up, but they should sign up for our guild. Mm. Uh, we, it would be a wise know, choice. I, I mean, all the cool kids are doing yeah. it. At least but, two of uh, them. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea of of an of a guild that comes together, not you know, just randomly, but kind of there are people who who have some kind. Even if it's just listening to the two of us, even if it's interacting on our Facebook page, something that's not connected to the game that will connect us. Mm. I had there's another podcast out there who's uh, a really fun group of guys, and I don't know if they'll ever hear it, but I I, I will plug them just because they're really funny. Uh, it's, they're called Nobody's Listening, and one of the interesting, <laughs> well, the interesting things about the Nobody's Listening podcast is, is that they have a Minecraft server, and they encourage their listeners to come out and play Minecraft with them, and I actually went on their Minecraft server, and it's a lot of fun, you just see, cause there, there's a create, it's a creative server, and so you literally just, there's nothing in your way, you just go and build stuff. And so, I was crossing, like, the, the melon bridge, and it's literally a bridge made out of pieces of mm, various melon. melon um and so it's fun like that somebody created like a my little pony in the sky and and i'm like this is this is really fun and then you realize that these are all people that listen to their podcast who show up on their chat room and they're playing this game together and they're making cool stuff together and and the guys in the podcast will actually say like hey i was looking at 
so-and-so's portion, and he made this really cool thing. And I'm like, that's awesome! That, that, that even though they don't necessarily have that physical connection with these guys, they know each other, they talk to each other, and then they go into this game together. And I, I'm really hoping that our guild can do that on Star Wars Old Republic, even though when I'm in-game, I'm totally going to be whatever character I end up playing at the time. <laughs> Seems fair. Seems fair. You know, I, I do think, though, that it's... I, I kind of... And I think I said this on the show. I, I kind of hoped that the Old Republic would actually be sort of later. Yeah, because you wanted to get your wife to buy you the Super Mega Nerd Edition. Well, yes, that, that may have been some <laughs> ulterior motive. But I do have another reason, and that is that I know... I mean, it's the kind of game that will require an insane amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we I start playing the Old Republic, I'm not going to be playing anything else for a while. And there are a lot of good games coming up between now and then that I'm going to have to work hard, suffer, <laughs> to get done. Actually, I, I don't think I'll get Skyrim done, but... Oh, oh please. There, there's no think about that. Yeah, you know, and even if you do get Skyrim done, you just play it again. <laughs> and, uh, but let's talk about some of those other games that are coming out. Uh, Mike, is there anything you're kind of looking forward to? There are a couple things on my radar, some of which I'm just kind of curious about, and some of them I'm very excited about. Okay. Uh, I, I've already I've already mentioned, I know they pushed it back, but I will still say that I am ridiculously excited about Bioshock Infinite. I, I think it's just a really interesting thing. Like, you're having, you're doing fights while you're gliding on a roller coaster rig through a, a pulley on your wrist. I mean, that's just awesome and they have this giant bird like construct thing that comes in and it's it's all about saving the girl in this the 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 place that it takes part in you know in the first one you had rapture in the second one you have rapture in the third one because it's a prequel you have it in this sky city it's this floating city that the i from from everything i've read about it the whole purpose of this city is is right around the time of I want to say it's right around the Civil War, but I, I think it's either before it or after it. It's not during, but right around there. You, you, you have these people who said, we want to show the entire world how awesome America is. And so we're going to have this floating city that's going to tour the world to show everybody how awesome we are. And that's where it takes place. And I'm super excited about the potential for this. I've seen lots of gameplay videos. I've seen... There's one that's like a 15-minute gameplay video, and it shows you 15 minutes worth of playing this game, and it makes me want to play it so bad. I think the thing that's most interesting to me, and, and this is happening in a lot of games now, but really seems to, to be hitting home in Bioshock Infinite, that is there's no way you have to do things. Right. I love open that. Open world games. But, it, but more than just an open world, you can do things the way you want to do them. There's not a right answer. Yeah, you can go, and if you get stuck, you can look up something on IGN or, or where GameFAQs or wherever you get your information and find the right way to do it. Whatever. That's fine, but you don't have to do it that way. You can do it however you want, and based on the decisions that you make, the world will change. I love that. Well, that's like when you and I were, were talking right before we started recording tonight, 
the the whole thing that frustrates us with the Dragon Age franchise and where it's gone. Yeah. Is because in Dragon Age Origins, you had that. You had every decision you made quite literally affecting the world around you. Even to the point where your character creation affected your game experience. Right. And then you get to Dragon Age 2 where they kind of did away with that and they said, this is your character. Yeah, Dragon you Age 2 is pick, definitely dumbed down. You can either pick if he's a man or a woman, or you can pick if he's a fighter, a wizard, or a thief. Right. Go. And, you know, that that, that uh, it upsets me because the coolest thing about these games is the aspect of, here's the world, you're a part of it, and you're such a part of it that everything you do has an impact on other cities and, you know, this guy over here and this collection of people over here who might die if you don't save them and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And if they die, then this will happen. But if they live, then this might lead to this. And it's so it's storyline upon storyline, which makes it awesome. You know, uh, Dragon Age really is a good example, too, of what the effects, what the ramifications of that one gameplay mechanic decision really are. Because Dragon Age Origins, I was totally committed to the experience. There is a moment in Dragon Age Origins where you have to make a choice. And I made a choice, and because of it, one of my companions left. Yes. And it was a honest-to-goodness emotional experience for me. Very rarely do I have emotional experiences in video games. Red Dead Redemption uh, is one that was recent, but I never had any of that in Dragon Age. Dragon Age 2, to me, just seemed like master the mechanic, beat the game. That was it. And while those games have a place, there's a difference between what makes a game great and what makes a game just simply entertaining. Right, and I, 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 but I'll say that the, the mechanics of Dragon Age aren't enough to make that a great game. But right. I do have a game coming up where the mechanics, I think, are enough to make it a great okay. game, and that is Batman Arkham City. Oh, I love the Batman game. I was downright giddy when the first one came out, but I was so worried because I thought they were going to ruin it. Then I realized that the guys they got to do the voices, it is it is Mark Hamill doing the Joker, and it is, I, I can never remember his name, but the guy who did Batman from the original Batman cartoon, the one that I grew up with, the guy whose voice I will always associate with Batman, he came back to do the role again, and I was super excited about it, and the gameplay mechanic, uh, the fight mechanic alone so is, worth, is genius. Fulfilling. It's button mashy, fine. But it's so, the experience is so visceral and so fulfilling and so fun. And you know what? I'm not even a Batman fan, and I really enjoyed Arkham Asylum. I really enjoyed all the fan service and the lore. And you know, I think Arkham City is just going to take the whole thing and make it bigger. Well, see, the big thing about, about Arkham Asylum that I loved was that, yeah, there was fan service. There really was. But it wasn't fan service for the sake of fan service. I mean, you had to really be a fan to get some of the stuff in there. They brought in villains that no one has seen in Batman in ages. You know, villains that, you know, unless you watch the cartoon or unless you've been reading the comic forever, I mean, you you just don't know these guys. I love the fact that I was walking through and I see uh, the, 
I'm going to give this out there. I just, I'm, I'm going back and forth in my head, but I realize that Arkham Asylum's been out so long that if you haven't played it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about this. Uh, there's one scene where you're walking through and there's a bunch of prison cells on either side of you, and you're walking through and you see Commissioner Gordon in a jail cell. But if you turn on this weird, like, you know, x-ray or whatever it is, kind of goggles that are in Batman's mask, all of a sudden you realize it's not Commissioner Gordon, it's Clayface. Mm. And who's just a truly wicked, nasty individual who can make himself look like anybody. And I loved it. I was going nuts. I loved going through each jail cell in Arkham and seeing all the different villains and their cell and what they did to their cell. Right. I, I loved unlocking all the little cool, uh, uh, what's it? The the therapy sessions, and hearing the recordings of of the villains going through their sessions. How you actually hear Harleen Quinzel become Harley Quinn? I love that stuff. Yeah, you, and you know what? There was actually just a cheesy little unlockable that was basically like the back of the baseball card for each one of these characters. Yeah, and for somebody who's not super familiar with the Batman world, that was a lot of fun for me. Just finding out all of this information and just having a nice system to explain the lore of Batman to me. What did you think about the uh, the dream state, the nightmare state sequences? Oh, anytime Scarecrow showed up? Yeah. Oh, I, I love Scarecrow as a villain to begin with. I really hope that he shows up in uh, Arkham City because that would be fantastic. What a great job they did, though, you know, with that whole, with the whole origin of Batman and what it was like for him to experience the things that he experienced that made him who he was and have us experience that in a very twisted sort of almost broken therapy kind of a way. Well, here's here's the one thing that I'm both excited about Arkham City and a little leery about Arkham City. Arkham Asylum was taken from an actual book. Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham Asylum is an actual book. It is a gorgeous book. An incredibly well-drawn, well-thought-out, well-written book. It's one of the... I I have a a small selection of Batman comics that I will tell people over and over again. I mentioned it when I talked about... um, When I took the kids to Newberry Comics. And I I said, there's a, a selection of Batman comics that I will say, if you love comics and you love Batman, you need to own this. Arkham Asylum is one of those books because it goes through just the the whole aspect of everybody in Arkham and the Joker the Joker says that that Batman is pretty much coming home because he's just as twisted as they are and without them you have no him without him you have no them and it's just this amazing book Arkham City while more generically taken from the book because there is a whole storyline where the inmates break out of Arkham and take over the island. I don't know if they're taking this off of a specific book. If they are, I haven't heard of it. And so you you're going to be getting away from a lot of that stuff. So I really hope that they maintain that same kind of awesomeness, but yeah, I am super excited yeah, about it. Yeah, I have a feeling that the story strength is probably not going to be the same level. I could be wrong and they could surprise us, you never know. It's happened before. But I think they're also, I think what they're going to do to sort of up the story factor is the Catwoman storyline. Yes. And rather than trying to push the Batman storyline again, they're just going to give us another one. And that's cool. I'm all for that. Uh, But yeah, that's the first game that's coming out that I am super, super interested in. Uh, Mike, is there another game that 
uh, you're looking forward to? Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I would say that it's more of a curiosity in my mind right now. Uh, I think I'm more interested in the mechanics and the overall feel of the game as opposed to super excited about the game itself. Um, everybody and their uncle is talking about Rage. And I've seen a lot of gameplay videos and a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm starting to get stuff leaked out about the plot line of Rage because, let's face it, anymore you don't sell games based on plot. You sell games based on who kills the coolest alien or the biggest mutant or anything like that. And and Rage has got plenty of that. But I think that there's potential for a really cool storyline there and the fact that it's set in this post-apocalyptic nightmare world and and you it it really looks impressive. Um I don't know much about it, but I I I will say that I'm definitely looking forward to playing around with it. Um I want to to look at this world and see what it has to offer. Uh because I want to believe that there's more to this game than just, oh my goodness, this is pretty. Yeah, well, so far that's all we're getting is, oh my goodness, Rage looks awesome and it looks gorgeous and whatever. So I'm, I'm hoping for more. So let me ask you this, Mike. Are you, do you play your games on a PC? Where do you play your games? It depends, really. I play a lot of games on, on PC. In fact, I was just playing with one of our youth group kids... Uh, and he listens to this podcast, and so I told him I was recording tonight, and he got all he all got all giddy about it. But we were playing Portals too, and if you've never played Portals, you need to fix that. The first game you can get really cheap. The second game I got on sale for like seventeen dollars. Wow, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's Steam is my friend. What's it called? So I, I got the game, and he's been playing. He played it since day one. Launch day happened, and he got it. So really enjoyed playing that with him. We were playing the multiplayer game, and we're both robots, and I think he got some kind of sick fascination with killing me in strange and new ways. Because <laughs> um, literally, when you're playing multiplayer, the, the challenges are, if you don't do this together, you die. Right. And so you'll like one guy has to stand on a button to raise the platform, and if the platform isn't raised, you land in water and die, or land in spikes and die, or land in this and die, or or the doors close on you and you die. And so every once in a while, I knew that he would just I could just even though I was looking at a screen that showed a little robot looking at me, I knew that the other end of that that uh, the other face behind the monitor is just giggling with delight inside, knowing that he was going to see me die at least two or three times because of this. But, uh, yeah, I I play games mostly on the PC anymore, but I do still have a great love for the Xbox 360. I play a lot of games on that, especially, like, Fallout. I mentioned Fallout. Um, I play a lot of my first... If, if, if I end up getting Modern Warfare 3, uh, I, I play games like that on Xbox. You know, I, I play games... I I don't really have a really defined system about this. There's just certain games that'll come out and I'll go, this seems more like a, a console game to me. Or this seems more like a PC game to me. And I, I don't really have a system. Alright. I play on my Xbox because I have a Mac. There you go. <laughs> the downside of Apple ownership. Yeah, that it is. That it is. So yeah, most of my games are... And most, I suppose all of my games are on Xbox 360. I, I guess I technically have a Wii as well. But, uh... I think everybody technically has a Wii. I don't think anybody's actively playing it anymore. Ah, my children are. <laughs> There's a discussion for you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I suppose the next big game coming out, and there's another, but we'll skip that for the moment, 
uh, uh, that is Assassin's Creed Revelations. Have you played the Assassin's Creed games? I have played uh, Assassin's Creed 1, and I've played Assassin's Creed 2. I want to play the other ones. I enjoy them immensely. The downside of them, and this is nothing new, the downside of at least past games has been it's repetitive. It's the same mission over and over and over again. And I think, well, this is something that I've admitted on this podcast before. If a game has a good story, I'm in. If I have to endure repetitive gameplay to get a good story, I'm in. And that's exactly what Assassin's Creed is for me. It's, it's enduring the gameplay, which, granted, each individual thing is entertaining and really, you know, worthwhile playing, but it's just by the sixth time you've eavesdropped on somebody, or the fifteenth time you've assassinated somebody in the street, you don't want to do it again. So I have to play it in short bursts. What about you, Luke? Do you have, do, what are your feelings on the Assassin's Creed franchise? Because this is the fourth game now. Yeah, well, when I first played Assassin's Creed 2, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And I vividly remember playing through the game, coming toward the end of the game. At the end of the game, there is a final assassination that you have to do. It is, I don't know, midnight, late, and for, I'm sure for many people, midnight's not late, but I'm an old man, late. <laughs> uh, my wife gets home for, at, from work at midnight. I am playing through this game. I'm right here at the end of the game, about to make the last assassination when she comes home from work. And I tell her, you know what, just go to bed. I am playing through this thing. I've got to be toward the end. I, I make the last assassination, and then everything goes weird. <laughs> and you're off talking to some alien super creature being thing. Mm-hmm. And that meta game, that I'm sorry, that meta story that's happening there, I, 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 I'm not interested. Um, you know, I played Brotherhood and it was fine. You know, if we don't move to another historical setting on the quick, I'm sort of done. <laughs> I loved playing in Renaissance Italy. Loved it so much. Loved the way the world was rendered. And I was super excited that the next Assassin's Creed game that comes along will take me to, I don't know, Russia. It'll take me to somewhere else. It'll take me someplace really, really cool that I could ne- I've never been to, that's never in movies, that, you know, I can imagine in a book, but I've never really gotten to see and experience like you do in a video game. But no, we're going to do the same thing again. That said, the problem is that the Assassin's Creed series has this crazy way of hooking into my brain... <laughs> And getting me to do these little addictive things, I have to fully upgrade my manner. I cannot, I can't, I can't not have all of the art. I can't not have every single update on my house. I have to have it all. That's just some sort of weakness that I have. And it is very good at making me collect every little thing and every stupid feather and every crest and every building i have to buy every building in all of rome and so yeah i believe they call it i believe they call it pokemonitis <laughs> yeah right gotta collect them all gotta collect them all <laughs> and so i'm guessing that i will go ahead and play the next assassin's creed because i have to 
the the most entertaining thing for me about Assassin's Creed and the franchise uh is not directly involved in the game but uh my brother is a just he's he's addicted to Assassin's Creed uh he doesn't get to play a lot of games but he will carve out time to play the Assassin's Creed games and the funny thing was is when when he and my sister-in-law got married they went to Italy they hopped around Italy for their honeymoon and he, he I'm just walking through and he goes and and he told me after he got back he says you know what Mike the weirdest thing was I'd find myself standing on a bridge going this bridge was in the game <laughs> that's awesome and and he said he said we'd we'd be standing there and uh this is this is how you can tell that my sister-in-law is amazing and, and perfect for my brother because she's standing there and she goes yeah I watched him do it and she's like, she's like, I could identify when he was figuring out what building he could climb up to get to the rooftops. <laughs> you know it, you know it. Someday I'm going to go and I'm going to climb up that giant tower right next to the Duomo. <laughs> and I'm going to jump off and see what happens if you land in a pile of and hay. I don't, find think, it play, works. I find a pile of I don't hay. think it works like it does in the game. <laughs> Nothing says good times like plummeting, you know, a thousand feet into a bale of hay. <laughs> All right, well, there is the one. There is the game, the one that I will give my soul over to if need be, the game that will ensure that I get nothing done during the month of November, 11-11-11, here it comes, folks, <laughs> Skyrim. Skyrim. I, I, I'm a D&D guy, I'm a Dragonlance guy, um, old school red box games, World of Warcraft, I love it all. But nothing gets me excited more than the Elder Scrolls. I love these games. And I'm guessing, I'm hoping, and from everything I've heard, this one just takes it all to the next level. Perfects the experience that is the Elder Scrolls games. And I cannot wait. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it is Blizzard. It is Bio where and it is bethesda i don't need anybody else to make video games just let these guys work and i will give them my money and everything will be fine and uh, i i cannot wait to re-enter the world because that's what you do when you play an elder scrolls game you go you make your space in a world and you live there but it's a world where you can talk to dragons and that's an even better world <laughs> than the world that we have because someday when we're in heaven we'll be talking to the dragon <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I played Elder Scrolls, and I did, I, I, I will say that, you know, I never got into it as much as most people do, but that's mo pretty much because most people are like you, in the fact that they get ridiculously excited about it, they, they spend large quantities of time living in this world and experiencing this really vast, expansive wonderment. And, you know, I appreciate that, and I like it. For some reason, it never clicked with me. So, so Luke, give me a little bit of why, what it is about this. And I want to, we want to transition to talk about why we like the games we like. Not just uh -huh. these are the games that we like, but why we like. So, so let's use, let's use the Elder Scrolls and, and Skyrim that's coming out as kind of your, okay, first, I don't know. First thing I like, the thing that is most exciting to me. And this is going to take a little explanation. Skyrim is the kind of game you play slow, right? It is the kind of game that you don't just run down the path to get to the next place you need to go. You stop, and you look around. 
and you literally smell the roses. Because there's a good chance those roses have something about them that will be beneficial to you at some point in the future. (laughs) And, you know, I think of a game like Fable. Right? Fable, you run down the path, you know that if there's a side path, you run down that side path, you grab the thing, and then you come back to the main path, and you keep going. It's not on rails, but it's awful close. Yeah, a game it is. like Skyrim, it's, you know, you just, you can wander. And I love the fact that everything you do has an effect. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but in Skyrim, if you kill somebody who happened to be a farmer, there's going to be less food in that town. The world is so interconnected, and of course it's a video game, it's not perfect, but they're doing a great job. And, you know, of course I'd love the fantasy milieu. I, 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 I want to be living in that world anyway, but it's the kind of game where you're not pursuing, and there is a central story, and there is a main quest, and that's fine. That's, if you just get into the game to, to do the main quest and finish it, you're missing the point. The point is to poke around the world and to see what happens. To go and to watch somebody and see what they do. And to go and to try to put together a couple of different plants. See what happens. And I love that you you feel like you can play this game for not just 10 hours, not just 40 hours, but maybe even you know, 70, 80 hours, and you probably still don't see the whole thing. You know, it's it's like it's a world that exists on its own and you're just visiting. Whereas most games you feel like, I, you know, I could be a completist. I could be 100% on this game. You, you can't be 100% on an Elder Scroll game. There's just no such thing. Well, I, I, I think that definitely, we, were, we touched on it earlier, the idea of being able to replay a game is a lost and dying art. In the fact that a lot of, a lot of people want you to have you know, a very complete... They, they they list achievements, and they want you to be able to get all of them. And I, I Honestly, I don't understand how Elder Scrolls can be financially successful. Right. Because, you know, they want you to play a game for 12 hours to finish the thing and be done, and buy the next one. And I get that. That's totally fine by me. That's basic game marketing at this point. Right. You know, I, and I, Elder Scrolls is an MMO where you get to play all by yourself. Which for me is perfect. If I could have my own MMO, I'd be happy. Maybe invite a few people here and there, but I like exploring worlds. And it, yeah, it's not a world where there is, well, I don't know, they may consistently generate content in terms of DLC, but it's a world where I feel like you, you're, you're not going to see the whole thing. And you're right, you can replay that because the next time you just go a different direction. And there are also kind of built-in things. Uh, you do pursue paths, so you might be a thief, you might be a warrior, might you, so you do pursue those. It's not quite as rigid as uh, you might expect. You do have a lot of freedom in terms of the skills that you determine are best for you, you know. And but you you can play the game entirely differently the next time. And we gave the example already, but first time I played through, I think it was Oblivion. Actually, now that I think about it. You know, I played as the, basically, paladin, you know, super upright, super good, did everything to help every single person who was like, I lost my cat, please help me find my cat. Never try to find the cat, because the cat has been eaten by large rats, just so you know. And, 
Uh, I just want to have a propaganda poster that says that. Yeah. Never find the cat. <laughs> uh, but then the second time I played through, I played through as a thief. And I, you know, ultimately gained, get to the point where you are, uh, in fact, basically a pirate lord. You have your, it was all, it's awesome. You have your own, like, pirate island. It's amazing. And not being evil, well, not being evil in the violent I'm going to kill you sense, but more in the, hey, I want this, I'm going to take it kind of a sense. And right. if you catch me good for you, then I will kill you. Um, <laughs> though I did end up in jail quite a few times. And, uh, you know, I love that the world just lets you do that. Lets you play. However you want to play. It is really as close to a and d experience as you're going to get. Yeah, there are dungeons. Yeah, there are our uh, scripted experiences just like with a dm but you can also just kind of decide to go do a different thing do a different way play it how you want to play it and so i am super excited i will buy this game day one and that is rare for me last time i did it i got bitten so i'm hoping <laughs> that won't be the case this time I'm like what about games do you love what kind of if if they, you were to create the perfect mike perna game what would oh, that would be first person, that, third person strategy? What would it look like? You know, I, I've had lots of conversations about this actually with my my youngest brother, and he and I are very much old school when it comes to our our ideal game. We loved back in the day with the turned based role playing game. Oh, love it! I and and we we sit here and we'll have conversations and now. Now I play games with my brother all the time. My my relationship with my brothers is I think founded on our playing video games together. And I I will say that uh my brother and I we play games like Halo together. We play games like Call of Duty together. We play we play League of Legends together. These are games that we will sit and spend large quantities of time together. But we both of us at different times have have just sat there and said this is, this game is awesome. I wish it was just more turn-based strategy because if you look at what quant what is uh, qualified as a role-playing game these days, like we've mentioned a couple on the podcast in the past, you, things like Fallout, things like um, Deus Ex, and they've they've expanded the the tag of role-playing game to anything where you get to pick. I want to do this instead of this. I want to make my guy super strong, or I want to make my guy super stealthy. Right. Role, Anything role where role playing you... game has become a character mechanic, right? Rather than an actual world with and and genre, it's become more of a mechanic. And while I appreciate that, I miss you know creating like four or five characters. The the I, I wish they could do this, but I know that. The problem is, is that there's such a demand for huge epic cinematics and like you know story driven stuff that they're never going to be able to do this again, just because no one would buy it. But I loved back in the day when you get like a game like Final Fantasy, not like okay. the 14 others that we've got, but the first one. Yeah, love it. the f- The first one where you got to say, "This is my party. I want a fighter. I want a black belt." I want a black mage and a white mage, and we're going to go. And, you know, you got to name them. You got to pick what spells they got. Everything was on you. And, you know, one one thing that I mourn and I, I am upset about is the fact that we've gotten so cinematics-driven 
that everything is like, okay, we need this guy because without this guy, how are we going to make this movie? And I love just being able to go, okay, this guy's really weak, but I bet I can go one more turn before I heal. And it becomes more about strategy. It's your guys and knowing your characters and pitting them against enemies and knowing what they can endure, what they can't, you know, what they can do. I want to blast him one more time before I heal him, you know. Just stuff like that. I I miss the days of the old school role playing game. In light of the fact that I just got done saying that's never gonna happen, I'll tell you a I, game that has happened. What's that? Costume Quest. I've heard about Costume oh, Quest. I, I don't. So, I don't know anything about it. So good. I love the gameplay mechanic. I also love the storytelling and the vibe. So amazing. It's a downloadable game. I know it's on Xbox Live Arcade. I don't know if it's anywhere else. So, so good. It is that old school Final Fantasy playstyle. You have three members on your team. You decide which three members. And the uh, mechanic is that you collect materials to form a Halloween costume. It's appropriate this time of year, too. Nice. And so you, you make the costume, and maybe one costume is a robot, another one's a unicorn, and each one of the costumes has its strengths and weaknesses. And so you have your three characters, they can switch out their costumes as you go, and you play through this game. And first off, it's got the storytelling and the vibe, it's all very childlike, in a good way. It it reminds me of, it reminds you of Halloween, it reminds you of childhood, and uh, so good, so good. But see, I'll boil all this down to say that the kind of game that I like is a kind of game that you kind of touched on it when you were talking about Skyrim, but I like a game that's not necessarily about getting from point A to point B, but it's, it's this is the world. Right. You can either save it or destroy it or just be in it, but you are in it and you are experiencing everything. You are a part of it and that your decisions matter. And that's the kind of game I like. That's why I like things like Fallout, where yeah. cities are made or broken on my decisions, where... You can have whole sections of plot that have no quests that go to them, but you can go there. And especially in, uh, when you, they set it in known places, like when you have, like the first, like Fallout 3 was set in Washington, D.C. You can go to all the different monuments in Washington, D.C. And like, oddly enough, you get things like, like there's a, a group of slavers that have taken over the Lincoln Memorial. And stuff like that. And, and I love that stuff. It has nothing to do with the plot line, but I love that. I love that you get to be a part of that world and a part of the irony and a part of the 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 just amazing storyline of what's happening in a world. A, like a, I don't want to use the word real, but you know what I mean when I say that. A yeah. real feeling world. As opposed to just, here you are, here's your stuff, you're the hero of the age, don't ask us how you became the hero of the age, you just are. And, you know, I... Hey, I like some, that. There's something profound about that, dude. That you know, there are two kinds of experiences that you can have in life, whether you're having them in a video game or whether you have them in your life, right? There is the on-rails game. You're going to do this. You're going to go this way. You're going to face these tra- challenges. We're going to give you all the tools that you need to face those challenges, and here you go. And that's fine. But there's another way, and that is you can turn left when you were supposed to turn right. You can explore. You may get yourself in trouble doing it, but there is a whole world to explore and to live in. And, you know, Mike, I know you're a creative person. I know you're a storyteller. You live your life by saying, hey, what happens if we turn left instead of right? And 
I think that even in video games, you, you can experience that. And I love the idea that in life, you just never know how many paths there are. You never know where things are going to branch. Man, if I could have figured out what God would have me have done, what God was planning for my life, there's no way 15 years ago that I could have plotted it. There's no way that I could have said, well, this is the path and I'm going to go down this path. God said, hey, I'm going to turn you the wrong direction a few times. But looking back on it, I say, okay, that was a really good story. And I love that. Well, I think that's human nature to be able to look on our own past and being like, if I could have, if I could have known then what I know now, would I would I have changed it? And the common answer is, well, of course I would have. Things would have been different. And I've said that about my own life. There are decisions that I would have made differently, knowing what I've you know because of what I've been through and because of what I've seen. But the problem is, is that you don't get to be where you are now without having been through where you've been. Right. You don't get to jump from A to C. You have to go to B in order to get to C. And, you know, a lot of times we don't always get to see that because we're so worried about getting to the goal. And we're so worried about doing everything right. Yeah. We're so worried about doing everything right that we don't re- stop to remember that doing things wrong is how we get to right. If you know it, 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 doing things wrong is how we learn, how we grow, and how we become different. And how, and, and, and going back on what we've talked about about these games and what we enjoy about them, it's the idea of the, the, the decisions that we make, that they have these ramifications, and you can deny those ramifications and, and try to avoid those ramifications, but if you try to live your existence trying just to not make anyone mad or not get anyone hurt, you will never leave your house. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with never leaving your house. <laughs> Stay at home, Dad. Work from home. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, but 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 where do you get your meat for those delicious barbecues? Yeah, sometimes I gotta go to the grocery store. <laughs> well, I mean, if 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 you, but what I'm saying is, if if you try to live your life without risk, risk exactly. There's no reward without risk. You don't, like I said, you don't get to see without going through B and. Yeah, I mean, would there be changes that I'd make? Of course there are. Everyone, Anyone who says that they've made every right decision in their life is has never thought through their existence. <laughs> but at the same point, I think overall I would say that no. I mean, even, even horrible failures I've had in my past, those horrible failures are what have made me what I am now. They make me appreciate what I have now and who I've become because of that. And sometimes it's just it's just learning how to buckle under and just say I'm going to do it. You know, I'm just going to, you know, pull my pants up and say I'm going to get through this. Sometimes it's, you know, just the things that I learned, like I made that stupid decision. And I will learn from now on to not make that stupid decision. And that leads to a a philosophy change. A, a I don't want that to happen and so I I start looking at life differently. And all of that comes through this craziness of being in a real world. A real world where decisions matter, people might get hurt, people might hurt you, but it doesn't matter because we are part of this world. We are part of, of the the meta-narrative of, of God's existence. How do you like that one? I like that <laughs> one. I think that's a good place to uh, wrap up the show. So, Mike, 
Where can folks find out more about you? Uh, as always, the biggest place is on TinkerStory.com. Uh, I haven't updated it in forever, but at the same point, you get a little bit of a taste for the writing that I've been doing. Uh, I am excited, though, because um, I did. I recently did a uh, a talk with our youth group about accountability, and in light of some craziness that I talked with you about earlier that I'm not bringing up in the podcast, but my life's been going through some really weird things lately, and so it's kind of gone downhill from, from this point, in this perspective. But I, I challenge the kids to be accountable to uh, to each other. And you know this, Luke. You can't challenge somebody else to do something if you're not willing to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my talk with the kids, I put up four points that I want the kids to be held accountable, holding me accountable to. And I was both overjoyed and terrified of the fact that they all started taking notes <laughs> when I put up... <laughs> When when I started putting up the, I want you to keep me accountable to this. And one of them is, I want to spend at least four hours a week working on my novel. Hmm. And Tinker Story is where you'll find the stories that have kind of given birth to this novel. If they're not going to be the same, I was talking to somebody about it earlier. And the the stuff that you find on TinkerStory.com, the characters, a lot of the characters are going to remain the same. But the plot line's going to be different because it starts. My main character is going to start a lot younger than he is at the at the beginning of the blog. But I, you know, at first I was thinking I was going to get rid of Tinker Story to begin with. But I'm kind of treating it now like it's going to be my archive. It's going to be my archive of the stories leading up to this book. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's that's going to be your hub for finding me on the internet. Very good, Luke. What about you? You can find me at fifty two weeksofgeek.com, where, like you, I have been. Uh... A little bit quiet, uh, but you can also find me very loud all the time on guyscanread.com. Next week, we are going to be doing comic books, return to comic books. And in light of the New York Comic Con? No, just uh, in light of the Marvel and DC reboot. The new 52. That's right. Though I am uh, sort of sicking Kevin on DC. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, I am sticking with Marvel because that's the way I see the world. Uh, but yeah, so you can find us at guyscanread.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Luke Navarro. To find out more about this show, you can go to gamestoreprofits.com or head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash gamestoreprofits. As always, we want to remind you that God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.